I haven't met you, my name's Bill. Uh, member of the great class of 1979. And I'm happy to bring a word tonight from uh, God's Word. Uh, we've been, uh, if, you, if you've been uh, coming out, we've uh, been working our way through a series this fall that we've called The Gospel Changes Everything. And uh, tonight I want to talk about a, a message that, in terms of that theme, I, I might say the gospel changes our perspective on uh, dependence, what it means to be a dependent being. Um, we might begin by asking the question, uh, really a fundamental question of, of our human existence, what is, the, what is the, the good life, and how do we, how do we construe that? We're, we're all bombarded uh, continually by voices, uh, voices that are calling out to us, urging us to listen, uh, to come, to follow, and these might be the voices of people that we would naturally uh, respect, such as our parents, or, or teachers, or uh, coaches, or, or authors. <coughs> These might be the voices of our peers, uh, of our friends. These might be the voices of institutions like, like Princeton or the church. More subtle, perhaps, but no less real and in some ways even more powerful, uh, we might think in terms of the voices of our culture, uh, messages that we receive continually through things like advertising or uh, popular entertainment, music, television, the arts, through things like uh, social media uh, in all of its various forms. And these, these voices are frequently, uh, continually pitching to us their particular construal of, of the good life. They're, they're always telling us, do this and you will be happy. Um, you know, purchase this and your life will be complete. Experience this, and you will be fulfilled and full of joy. These voices are constantly calling out to us, come and follow. But how are we to discern which voice to listen to and which can be trusted? I, I was reminded as I was thinking about this, and we'll see if this works or not, um, of, a, of a movie that my kids loved to watch when they were small, called Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. And... Um, this is just a little section of it about the child catcher. So let's see if this works. Have you guys seen that? Scripture, 
those of you who know the Bible know that uh, this metaphor appears throughout Scripture. Jesus here, in the passage we're going to look at, employs an extended figure of speech. It draws upon this common, in his time, practice of caring for sheep to make very important spiritual applications to you and to me. Uh, before uh, I read, let me just briefly mention some of the uh, things that Jesus mentions in this text. In the first century, sheep were uh, uh, commonly kept overnight in some sort of an enclosure, which would have had a door or a gate, and which would have been guarded uh, by a gatekeeper, not the shepherd, but a hired hand. Uh, and the sheep needed to be watched. They needed to be uh, guarded because they were, well, they were of great material uh, value to their owner. They were naturally prone to wander uh, if left unattended. They were prey to um, wild animals if they were left unprotected. And they were desirable to thieves uh, if they were left unguarded. So sheep definitely need a good shepherd. Otherwise, uh, they can get into all kinds of trouble, uh, like this one. Uh, uh, this is a contemporary sheep. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lot of focus, but uh, he, he managed to get a traffic cone on his head. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the sheep actually uh, came to know their shepherd such that even if several flocks were kept in the same enclosure together overnight, when the shepherd uh, would come to call his own sheep, uh, his own sheep would recognize the shepherd's voice and would follow him out. And in that time, sheep, uh, the, the shepherds would not actually drive their sheep from behind with, with, a, with a stick, but they would lead them from the front, simply by means of their voice. And these are the kinds of things that Jesus is drawing upon uh, in this section. So let's hear the word from John chapter 10. Starting with the first part of here. I'm going to read verses 1 through 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. The stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired man and cares nothing for the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. 
For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down with my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my Father. And so this is God's Word. Uh, and tonight I just want to make briefly three points from it. Uh, first of all, that you and I are sheep. Figured that out, yeah. Uh, secondly, that Jesus sets himself here very boldly before us as the good shepherd. And thirdly, that he says that those who know him will listen to his voice. I'm going to talk briefly about that. So you and I are sheep. You know, we may not want to hear that. Uh, that's, that's not the easiest thing in the world to here, but it is the truth. It's it's a bit of a humbling uh, designation. You know, you see that picture of the sheep in a field with a traffic cone on its head. It's they're kind of they're humble creatures. Um, some of you are familiar with a recent book by uh, William Derisowitz, who taught for 24 years at Yale and um, didn't get tenure, so maybe he's bitter. But um, he he wrote a book uh, called Excellent Sheep. The Miseducation of the American Elite and the Way to a Meaningful Life. And uh, this is a, a strongly worded uh, indictment of American higher education. A New York Times reviewer summed up the book this way, quote, We've spawned a generation of polite, striving, praise-addicted, grade-grubbing non-entities. Legion <laughs> <laughs> of, as his title puts it, Excellent sheep. So, ouch. Uh, strong, strong language from the reviewer. But, you know, God calls us sheep. And that is what we are. Psalm 100, uh, one that's familiar to many of you. Verse 3. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We didn't make ourselves. He made us. We are His people and what? The sheep of his pasture. God calls us sheep. I, I, the question is, what <coughs> kind of sheep will we be? What, uh, what voice will we listen to? The question is not so much, will we have a shepherd, but who will be our shepherd? Who will be your shepherd? We need a good shepherd, or like that, that sad sheep show you a minute ago, we, we're, we'll inevitably get ourselves into really serious <coughs> trouble. Because there are many voices saying, come follow me. Whose voice will you listen to? So, we are sheep, first of all. We need a good shepherd. And Jesus, in this passage, you know, clearly sets himself before us as the good shepherd. Not one among many. He says, I am the good shepherd. And that is a strong claim. And I think for many of us, that's a difficult claim to embrace. Uh, we, we may find that there's a lot of things about Jesus that are very attractive. But is, is our vision of him so compelling that we are willing to follow him as our shepherd and him alone? Can we trust our, our lives, our care, into Jesus' hands. How, how good is he really? Is he really 
good. Uh, in this passage, I just want to point out a couple of ways in which he indicates how there is for those who follow him a good shepherd. Uh, the first thing is, you know, he, he talks about how sheep know their shepherd's voice and how the shepherd knows and calls his own sheep, verse 3, by name and leads them out. Jesus puts himself before us as the one who knows his sheep, and his sheep know them. He knows and calls his own by name, it says. We, we might look out at humanity, or even you might just look out at as small of a group as, as your own class uh, here at Princeton, and see largely just uh, kind of a, a herd of faceless, uh, nameless people. Jesus sees each one as an individual. Jesus sees each one in this room as an individual. He knows your name. Uh, one of the initiatives that's coming out of the, the recent deaths in our country of black people at the hands of police is, is uh, an initiative called what? Say Their Names. And it, it's an initiative that calls uh, and wants to call us as a nation, uh, our attention to the fact that those who have died were real people, not just faceless, nameless uh, uh, people, but real people with real stories. Jesus does not simply see a seething uh, mass of humanity. He sees individuals. He sees you, and he sees me, and he calls each one. Christian faith is, is not in the first place about a set of rules or uh, principles or ethics. The Christian faith is about personal relationship with the living God, with one who is much uh, inconceivably greater than we are. It, it, by analogy, as a shepherd is greater than the, the sheep, that are in his flock, stronger, more intelligent, wiser, just to name a few things. Jesus is so far greater than us, and yet he knows us by name. And he calls us into personal relationship with him. He's a good shepherd. He's a trustworthy shepherd because he's, he's great, far greater, has far greater resources in every respect than we do, and yet he invites us to become his friends. And those who are his sheep, he also says, know his voice and they follow him. Sheep know their shepherd. They recognize his voice, they trust that voice, and they follow wherever that voice leads them. And, and this again, at the heart of, of Christian faith is personal relationship. It involves personal response to the living God. The response, and what is that response of faith? It is to hear the word to believe it, to, to listen to the word, and to obey it. So one of the things I'm putting before you tonight is that Jesus knows your name. He's calling you, come follow me. Are you, are you listening to him? Are you responding? So he's a good shepherd not only because he knows the sheep, but he cares for them. Uh, one of the verses that initially impressed me on my reading in the New Testament many years ago is in the, uh, the Gospel of Matthew and also in the Gospel of Mark, where it says of Jesus that when he saw the crowds, 
he had compassion for them. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And so Jesus is moved by who you and I are, who, who people are. He is moved not by annoyance or irritation or, ah, God, you know, I hate people, get me away from them. He is, he is moved by a deep compassion for humanity in our harassed and helpless state. The thief, right, the thief doesn't care a bit about the sheep. The child catcher doesn't care about those kids. The, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And I submit to you tonight that so many of the voices that are vying for your attention and for your for your ear and for your heart, so many of those voices, they do not care about you a bit. They might care about what's in your wallet, for example. Um, they, they, they might, in, in some sense, be... be uh, these are more cynical response. They might be you know, wanting to use you to some end or another. But so many of those voices, they do not care about you, and they certainly don't care about your ultimate flourishing. Jesus came, he said what? I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. So many of the things I think on my own life that I have run after over the years I've run after them because they promised me things like pleasure, or joy, or fulfillment, or comfort, or peace. I've come to see over and over again how those things, even if there's something temporary, those things don't satisfy. They don't deliver on, on what they promise. Uh, this is the message of the whole book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon, King Solomon tried everything that he could think of, everything that he could imagine. And in his case, because of his great wealth, he even succeeded in getting it. But in the end, he concluded what? It was all fleeting. It was all meaningless. Jesus offers something more substantial. He says, I've come that you might have life and abundant life. And what is that life? You need to think carefully about this. Chris showed us last week that that life that abundant life that Jesus offers us is not necessarily freedom from suffering in all of its various kinds. It's not necessarily a life of ease or of unmitigated comfort. It's not necessarily a life, as Garrett shared with us, uh, of uninterrupted good health. It's not necessarily a life of uh, prosperity. In fact, the abundant life that Jesus offers is something that transcends all that. It's something that we can experience even in the midst of all of that. And how can that be? Well, it's because Jesus offers us, as our good shepherd, a life that is with him. A life that is characterized by a shepherd who says, I will never leave you or forsake you. With him as our constant companion. With Jesus as my constant companion. Whatever I might experience, I know that I have a shepherd who is with me, who intends my good, not my harm. 
I know I have a shepherd who intends my benefit. He's not out to exploit me. Who intends my ultimate flourishing, not my destruction. <coughs> I used to, I, you know, I used to struggle with that. Oh God, if I trust you, what are you going to do to me? How, how backwards is that? Jesus offers us a life that is with him. Loves us. He has compassion for us. He offers us a life that is eternal. And if we continue beyond what, what I read down in verse 28, he says, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. Elsewhere, Jesus says, What is a profit a person? He gains the whole world and forfeits his very soul, his life, his self. Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. This is the abundant life that Jesus, the good shepherd, offers us. The thief doesn't offer us that. The hired hand doesn't care about the sheep either. The hired hand you know, he's just, he's just paid to, to, to guard the sheep, to guard the door, and, and when the wolf attacks, he's like, I'm out of here. I'm gone. All the other voices calling out to you tonight, which of them, which of them really is going to be faithful always? Which of them is going to deliver on every promise? Which of them is genuinely sincere? Which of them are merely using you, manipulating you, deceiving you, offering only false promises. Jesus is the shepherd who says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And, and when the wolf attacks, he doesn't run away. When the wolf attacks, he does what? He lays down his life for the sheep. And what's so remarkable about this text and about what we know of Jesus is He's not really saying, oh, I'm willing to do that if necessary. If called upon, I would make great sacrifices on your behalf. No, he, he says, I do lay down my life for the sheep. He actually does it. That is the ultimate demonstration of the commitment that Jesus, as your shepherd, makes to you, has made to you, and to your well-being. I'm so amazed at myself. I, and frankly, I'm so tired of myself. How can I doubt God's love for me? I mean, seriously. How can I doubt His commitment to me? Has anyone else ever suffered a fraction of what Jesus has suffered for us? For me? Is there anyone else who would even be willing to do that? But God demonstrates, he proves his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, we, we weren't exactly, we weren't the most lovable sheep. And, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He is a good shepherd. He knows you. He has compassion for you. He wants to 
lead you in and out to good pasture, to abundant life. And he is so committed to that that he gave his very life that you might have that life. Let me ask finally, if Jesus is that good shepherd and if the sheep know the shepherd's voice, how do I, how do I listen to my good shepherd's voice? I just want to comment on this briefly. And I want to say two things. First of all, Jesus speaks to us as his beloved sheep. He speaks to us through God's word in the scripture. And I want to say this because I am I'm seriously concerned about us. And I don't think I'm just being an old, old crank. <laughs> Modern media really makes it harder for us to listen <coughs> to God's voice. At least for two reasons. Number one, we are continually bombarded with more voices than ever. Non-stop, 24-7. Blah, 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 blah. And it, just, it never stops. And I think the effect of all of this cacophony of voices is that it, it becomes we become hard of hearing. We just shut them all out. Uh, or we think there's too many. Who could ever decide? But the medium itself, I think, that I didn't grow up with, but you all have grown up with, the medium itself, the internet, the social media, the, the, the little gods in our pockets, it diminishes our ability to focus and to concentrate deeply in a sustained way on any one thing, much less on a book. I'm always surprised how many of you can go to Princeton and don't have to read books anymore. That's amazing. <laughs> but you know, the psalmist will say, oh, to, in, in a, a psalm of praise to God, oh, how I love your word. It is my meditation day and night. And we're like, huh? What? Or God will say to, to his servant Joshua, this book of the law, this, this my word that I've given to you shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do all that is written in it. Then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. Have you notice that, that sequence? The, the, the experience of the abundant life in relation to God comes to us in part when we are careful to, to do all that God calls us to do and when we're obedient to his word. And how do we even know what that means if we're not reading it, if we're not meditating upon it and, and taking it into our hearts and into our minds? If you want to, if you want to listen to the Good Shepherd's voice, so many of us are saying, oh, why doesn't God ever speak to me? Why doesn't he ever speak to me? He has, he does. If you want to hear his voice, go deep into his word and sustain in a, in a disciplined, in, a, in an ongoing way. Yes, I believe God can also speak to us in a very personal way when we seek him. But even there, we need to be prepared to measure the voice that we are hearing against God's written word. I mean, when Satan comes to the woman in the garden, 
as God said? Is that really what he said? Oh, God, God didn't really say that. Well, if she had really attended to what God had said, she would have said, oh, this is not God talking to me right now. This is someone trying to deceive me. We, I, I think the more we're more likely to be able to hear God's specific personal direction to us when we've devoted ourselves first to the written word of God. And we're more likely to confuse a deception for God's word when we've not spent enough time in God's word to even know what God's character is like or what he commands us to do or who he calls us to be. Friends, we need a shepherd. And what a good shepherd we have in Jesus Christ. He, he knows us. He loves us. He has given his life for us. Peter says, we were all like wandering sheep that have gone astray, picking up on Isaiah the prophet, chapter 53. We have now returned We've now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of our souls. And tonight I want to just ask you, are you hearing the voice of your good shepherd? Are you following him? Are you enjoying that abundant life that he offers you? I just want to close with a very familiar scripture. And as I read this, it's in the first person. As I read this, I want you to think, is this true for me tonight? Can I say tonight, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in Father, I pray tonight that by your Spirit, each one in this room would be prepared to acknowledge that we are truly, ultimately dependent, needy sheep. We desperately need a shepherd. We acknowledge that like sheep, each of us turns to our own way. But Lord, apart from you, we are lost. And how we thank you that you know each one of us by name. And that you have so loved us as strange sheep that Jesus, our great shepherd, has laid down his life for us that we might have life tonight, I pray that each one of us would afresh say thank you 
God that you have blessed us with such a good shepherd. We would offer ourselves afresh to follow him wherever he leads. For your glory, Father, 